Hey, good morning, everybody. Do you guys like that? It was dark, and then I was like, hello. Um, how are you guys doing? Isn't that so cool? 20 kids said yes to Jesus for the first time. Wouldn't it be awesome if next year our camp had like 60 students, 60 kids at it, and there was kids from all the different churches around, and I think, I think God really is showing us that he wants to do something powerfully through this camp, so um, I got to go one of the days, and it was so cool. Um, I came the day after 19 of those kids said yes to Jesus for the first time, and then I'll tell you the story of that number 20 later on, but uh, it was I'm just thankful that our, our kids ministry has the kind of stuff going on in it that's happening in this room too. You know, like we don't want there, there's not a junior Holy spirit. (laughs) There's not like a, like an adult version of being a Christian and a kid version of being a Christian. We all get to do the stuff Jesus did no matter how old we are. So my name is Wilson. Um, I'm on staff here with the adult ministry and, uh, I'm just really happy that you guys are here with us this morning. We hope that you experience God's love and God's power and that you're changed. And I just want to say this. I see so much, ex- I see so much expectation in the room. I see so much hunger. And the reason is there's people in the seats. Why would you have came to church if you didn't expect something to happen in your life? Amen. You know? So maybe some expect more than others. But I just want to say that if you're in the room right now, you have expectation and you have faith. Because there's no other reason to come to church on a Sunday morning if you didn't expect something to happen. You know, like you don't pull into the gas station and expect needing gas and not expect to get gas, right? You go in for a reason. So I really believe that you being here this morning, um, you're going to be filled up, you're going to be encouraged, and that God's going to do something special and individual in your life today. We've been in this series called Praying from Heaven's Perspective. And today my message is called Praying from Heaven's Perspective for Others. And I'll get into that in a couple minutes, but the messages have been really, really powerful so far. We only have one more week of this series. It's just a six-week series. Luke Hazelmeyer, another guy on staff who's playing drums this morning, he just does it all. He's amazing. Um, He preached the first two messages, and he really wanted to hammer in, what is God's will? Is, is it God's will to always heal? Is God, what does God's goodness mean? And what we can take away from Luke's message is God doesn't use the devil's means to get his ends. God doesn't need to use the devil's ends to get what he wants. It doesn't mean that he won't redeem it, but God doesn't cause sickness. God doesn't cause the pain and hardship that the devil does. That doesn't mean that everything bad happens in our life is from the devil. Some of it's our dumb decisions. But what Luke is really driving home is we can pray confidently what God's will is. Because Jesus said, pray on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we can confidently pray and um, know how God wants to move in our life and the lives of those around us. Then my dad followed that up, just hammering more of that home, that we're in a war, that there's a spiritual war going on, and that um, Jesus has won the victory, but we have to march out and kind of carry out um, the whole earth being subdued and all of humanity um, and that being actualized into people's lives. And then last week, Jason um, spoke, Jason Smith, another guy on staff of the church, regarding um, prophetic imagination. Who heard his message? I love that. That was so powerful about um, letting Jesus come into your memories and letting Jesus and then actually imagining and um, taking time to meditate on Jesus being places with you. And you know, when you got saved, your imagination got saved too. 
And it doesn't mean that you don't have the capability of having, you know, bad thoughts, but it means that you now have actually, your imagination can work more for your good than your bad. You know that? That the things we're supposed to ponder and meditate on in our thought life and what we daydream about is supposed to propel us forward in life rather than pull us back. So um, just take that and think about it. But, you know, I have a canker sore. Does anybody, has anybody here ever had a canker sore before? Isn't that the worst? Well, I don't want you to have to imagine what my canker sore looks like. I'm going to put a picture up so you guys can see it in just a second. So, uh, but I just thought this would help, you know, like Jason talked about a prophetic imagination and how we can like, you know, imagine Jesus being in our circumstances and pray for it. I thought I'd do just one better and show you a real picture of it so you can pray with me. So just get ready. Okay. We're going to pop that picture up right now. Ah, no, that's not a canker sore. That's my daughter, Haya. She's two months old now. So the the whole joke was that you're going to expect to, some of you guys were like, oh no, I don't want to see this. But, um, I I could just stand here and look at that the rest of the message. Honestly, best accomplishment besides marrying, um, the beautiful woman that created her. But, uh, they're right down here right now. And she's awesome. Being a parent is so cool. It's teaching me so much about how much God loves us and uh, just showing that like, you know, who's a, who, who, who else has learned that from being a parent that, wow, like God's love just is con- like, e- I love her more every time I see her. Isn't that crazy? That's like every single time I lay my eyes on her, I have stronger emotions. Imagine that's how God feels about us. That's how God feels about you guys. Every time he looks at you, he just swells with love for you. He's like, man, they're beautiful. Man, I love them. I'm so excited for them. And so that, that's been really profound and real. Um, another cool thing is that she sleeps seven hours every night. <laughs> so like, I'm just going to knock on wood right now. Anything else to like make that keep happening. But I know that's not like the normal experience. Some of you guys with little kids are like cussing at me under your breath right now because uh, your kids only sleep in an hour. But who knows? Maybe it'll change. Um, hoping not. But she's, she's awesome. Such a gift to us. Her name means life. I studied Arabic at University of Cincinnati. That was my minor. And Heya means life in Arabic. So she's just beautiful. And we, we're, she's the greatest gift we've ever been given. But so yeah, for my message today, praying from heaven's perspective for others. I'm just really convinced that we can actually change people's lives by the way we pray. And that how we pray can impact other people's life and um, their day and their, their state of being and even the trajectory of their life. How we pray can do that. And there's three ways that I thought of this week as I was preparing the message. I'm not sure if I'm going to get to all three. But the first is through intercession. I'm definitely going to cover that intercession. It's like such an important tool. Um, and I'm going to define that and break that down. But then also prophecy. Prophecy. Um, Giving prophetic words isn't something special for superstar Christians or anything like that. In fact, that's one of the things we practice in our kids' ministry is teaching the second graders how to give prophetic words and how to hear God's voice. And prophesying is simply hearing God's heart in the moment and then sharing it with somebody. And that's something that all of us are capable of. That's one of the greatest tools we have to pray for others is by prophesying to them and speaking um, God's heart and God's life to them. And the third thing I might get to, but if I don't, my dad definitely will next week when he preaches, is the gift of tongues. 
And this is like a secret weapon, a super powerful weapon that we have as Christians when it comes to prayer, especially for others. But yeah, I want to say this, that the reason we talk about heaven so much and the reason the name of the camp, I think Luke touched on this too, but the reason the name of our camp was Open Heaven and that this whole series is called Praying from Heaven's Perspective is because we, we really believe that when we line up our thought life with the way heaven thinks, we line up our thought life with the way that God thinks about people, people's lives will change. When we start to think that way and we start to treat people based off of that, and we start to pray based off of that, there will be transformation. There will be marriages saved. There will be bodies healed. There will be um, communities where the crime rate goes down. There will be nations where revival sweeps across the land. There will be businesses that are sprung back to life. But all of this starts with believing that God is in a good mood and that God wants it to happen and that God is actually good. He's not holding back on us. You know, for, for so much of my life, I thought that the gospel message was, Um, if you pray and accept Jesus, then he will forgive you of your sins. And it was this conditional love that if we do the right thing, if we say the right prayer, then God will accept us. Or then God will, um, will, uh, it it was somehow something we were doing towards God. And it was, it was like our job to do the right thing towards God. And then he would respond accordingly. But that's actually, that's, that's actually not good news. That's bad news. The gospel message is that God has already done it, and now all we have to do is accept it. Yes. That he initiated his love, that he came to earth, okay? That we don't have to go to heaven to meet him. He came to earth to die for us, to bring us into a relationship with him, if we would receive that. You know, the gospel message isn't that um, God so loved the world that he came to die for the church, (laughs) that he came to die for the people he knew would accept him. The gospel message is Jesus came because he loved the whole world and he died and paid for the sins of the whole world. You know that? That he didn't just pay for the sins of people that, so not everybody's going to get saved. You know, like some people haven't gotten saved. Some people have died out of relationship with God. Some people die in relationship with God. And, you know, our mission should be to increase that number. But what I'm getting at is Jesus has made a way for everyone to come into relationship with him. Everyone. Jesus's death wasn't just for the people that were going to accept him. Jesus died for everyone. That doesn't mean that everyone is saved. It doesn't mean that everyone is going to heaven and everybody is going to have a relationship with God, but it means that everyone has the opportunity to. Everyone has, maybe not opportunity is not the right word. Everyone has the capability, the ability What I'm getting at is everyone's sins are forgiven. In 2 Corinthians, it says that God reconciled the whole world to himself. The whole world to himself. He reconciled everybody. He he gave everyone the ability to be reconciled. The whole world isn't reconciled. We have to carry that message out and share that with people. Hey, Jesus loves you. He's not mad at you. He's giving you a free shot to come into the kingdom. I think where this can get a little confusing, I see some looks like, what is this universalism or what's he saying? It's not your sins being forgiven that gets you into heaven and gets you saved. It's being born again that allows you to enter the kingdom. It's about becoming a new creation. It's about accepting Jesus, receiving what he did, and then you become a new creation. So you have to be in Christ to be a new creation. But the Bible clearly teaches that Jesus once for all paid for sin. One time, one act, 
paid for all sin ever committed. Jesus was eternal. He was God and man. So he paid for all the sin that was committed before him and all the sin that would be committed after him. Why? Because Jesus couldn't be crucified over and over and over and over, right? He had to be crucified once to pay for all of it so that everyone had the chance to come into the kingdom. This is heaven's perspective of people. Heaven's perspective of people is, wow, that person is val- has value. They're created in my image. I love them. Now I just want them to receive my love and to receive me. And then I'm going to come and change everything. I'm going to come and change everything. That's heaven's perspective. Everybody has a target on their back to come into the kingdom. doesn't mean that everyone's going to end up in the kingdom, but it means that everyone has the ability, which should inspire confidence in us to share the gospel, right? Like, isn't it kind of, it's kind of weird that we have the secret to happiness, <laughs> all of us, but for some reason, we're not always super ready to share that with other people. And it's the only thing I can think of is fear. That's the only logical explanation is just, is just fear. And I'm not saying that I'm above fear. I experience fear and I give into it sometimes. There's plenty of times where I don't share the gospel when I feel like I should. But the truth is, is that we have the secret to fulfillment for everyone in the world living inside of us. And we have to believe that we have to believe that the good news that we've received is transferable to the whole world and that people are desperate to hear this message. People are desperate for the kingdom. People are desperate to know that God loves them. If they could just see him clearly, if we can just present him clearly to people, who's going to turn down a God like Jesus? Who's going to turn him down? You know, a couple weeks ago, um, a bunch of us went camping. So, some of some of the, some of my friends and I went camping from the church, and uh, Jen and I and Jean, who leads worship up here, Jean's amazing worship leader. You know, we're really we're really um, privileged with the musicians we have at this church, like the people on stage this morning, Roger and Mike and Klaus and Barb and Steve and uh, Luke and Derry, like. We're, we are really privileged with the musicians we have every week, in, week in, week out. The teams that don't get to lead all the time, they'll lead like when we're in a pinch. Even those teams, it's like people that could be the worship leaders of other churches. So we're, I'm just thankful for that. But anyways, Jen and Jean and I were at Enterprise Rent-A-Car, and we were um, renting a van to go on this trip. And the guy that was renting the van to us, his name was Daniel. He was a really cool young guy. We were really connecting with him. He just moved to Cincinnati, and he was asking us, what are you renting this big van for? Because it's a big 15-passenger van. And we explained that we were going on a trip to down to Red River Gorge to go camping. And um, it was just cool. He was just, he was just a nice guy. At the very end, after we inspected the car, gone around the car, and then he had his, had his tablet out, his iPad or whatever, and was going to have us like sign the contract and mark it so that we, um, you know, could take it. I just had this like kind of, what I was just saying to you guys about like, isn't it weird that we don't share the gospel? I started saying a lot to myself, (laughs) or maybe God was saying to me, I don't know. But I was just like, wow, how can we tell him about this little church camping trip we're about to go on without being the church right here, right now? Like that, that was just the heart check I had. And so I said, I I just asked God, what's your heart for Daniel? What what do you think about him? What do you love about him? And I just began to feel like God's love for him. And I honestly didn't have any super profound thoughts. The thought that came to my head was, he's a really solid guy. That was the only thought that came to my head. So I said, hey, Daniel, can I tell you something really quick before we uh, finish up here? And he's like, yeah, sure, what? I said, I just feel like God's saying that you're a real solid guy. And that you're really dependable and you're like a pillar in your family and the people lean on you and can trust you. And they really, um, 
They really need you. Like, and then as I was saying that more thoughts kind of started coming into my head. And I've realized that lots of times God speaks to me after I already start speaking, <laughs> that I'm waiting sometimes for him to speak when he's waiting for me to speak. And then he'll talk more, you know, like that's a, that's really a basic way to gr- grow in prophecy and to practice giving prophetic words is to start telling people God's heart for them. The stuff that's revealed in here, you know, like there's a lot of prophetic words in here for people. <laughs> Like Jesus loves you and a bunch of others. But when you start speaking that out, other thoughts start popping in your mind. And if they're encouraging, consoling and strengthening, then, you know, it's the Holy Spirit and he's wanting to, um, you know, do something. And so as I was saying this stuff about him being a pillar and him being solid, another thought came into my mind that he's especially his mother has been especially depending on him. So I just said that. I was like, dude, in fact, I really feel like lately your mom has really been depending on you. And in this, these past couple of weeks, she's really been relying on you for support and, and especially looking to you for support. And that you've been there for her. You've sacrificed. You've been there for her. And he just, his jaw literally drops. He releases a couple of choice words um, and goes, are you a guru? are you guys gurus or psychics or something? And I was just like, no, man, no, like kind of the opposite. We're just practicing hearing God's voice and we want to just share what we hear he's saying to you. Um, I wasn't sure about it, but it seems like it was relevant for you. And he's like, yeah, it's relevant. Like that's exactly what's been going on in my life. That's exactly what's been happening. And I didn't tell him his birth. I didn't get a, my words weren't about his address or his birthday or the kind of car he drove or something like that. But God's life and God's spirit was on what I was saying. See, we are prophetic words and words of knowledge don't have to be these crazy, intricate, detailed things when they are. That's amazing. And sign me up for more of those. Okay. Like I I want that. I want to grow. And I think that's possible. And there's, and um, I get those sometimes, but if I waited for that, I would never open my mouth. So anyways, my point was that the spirit was on it. It wasn't about my special words. It was about the, about the Holy Spirit breathing on what I was saying. And he was just rocked to his core when he heard about heaven's perspective of him. He got to hear what heaven thought of him. I didn't tell him like, dude, you're a flake and God wants to make you solid. You know, you've, you've abandoned your family tons of times, but lately you've done it right. And God wants to bless you for that. <laughs> that was, that would be earth's perspective. How many of us need more of earth's perspective? <laughs> like I don't Facebook man kills me. Cause that's like, that's all I get on there. I'm trying to, you guys can all keep me accountable. I'm trying to steer clear of controversy on Facebook. So if you see me getting into anything controversial on Facebook, just, uh, like bl- block me or something. I don't know. But, and I just said, dude, What's happening right now is Jesus is representing himself to you. He loves you. He wants to be in relationship with you. Do you want to give your life to him right now? Like he's, he's coming after you. And he said, actually, I was raised in the church, but I haven't been going and I don't really like have a relationship with God right now. And da, da, da. I said, well, dude, Jesus is showing to you right now that he wants that with you. And he said, yeah, I know, but I saw lots of weird things in church. I was kind of hurt by how people treated me and different things that happened just made me really uncomfortable and blah, blah, blah. And I just said, well, dude. It sounds like you have let the church be representation of God. And I was like, and the truth is, is that church should represent God and it should do it really well. But we're also humans and we don't always do it well. Like I've misrepresented God plenty of times by how I've acted and stuff. I said, but right now he's representing himself to you. He's representing himself to you. And he's asking like, do you want 
to accept him? Do you want to be in a relationship with him? And he's like, you know, I don't think I've done that. I don't think I've let the church be the representation of God to me. I was like, really? Because you just said that because of what happened in church, you don't want a relationship with God. And he was like, that's true. (laughs) I was like, dude, you, you, you really, he's pursuing you, man. He loves you. And so he just drops his iPad right there, puts it down in the middle of the parking lot. Gene and I grab hands with him and just say a simple prayer for him to recommit his life to Jesus. Just, just right there. It all happened in five minutes time. And it started with just speaking about heaven's perspective for him. Yeah, we can clap and bless him for Jesus, you know. And the point is, is that when we get heaven's perspective for people, their lives and, and we share it with them and we pray about that. We, we pray heaven's perspective over them. Their life will change. Their life will change. It has to. I'm just convinced that if we don't give up sharing heaven's perspective with people, things will change in their life. And that's what happened for Daniel. When he heard about how good God is, when he was represented to him, which all of us have the ability to do in the way we talk to people and, then, and um, the way we interact with them every day, people will come to Jesus. Man, the harvest is so ripe. People are ready. People, it, people really are ready. To, and they don't, everybody wants Jesus, okay? Deep down, everyone really wants him. And when we present him well, people will accept him. So I want to talk a little bit about intercession, okay? That was just to frame more of what it looks like to see from heaven's perspective. Now I want to put a practical tool in your hand about how, how we can pray from heaven's perspective for others. Here's my, uh, does anybody remember Luke's definition, which is a really great definition of what prayer is? What was Luke's def- pop quiz? What was Luke's definition of prayer? Communication with God, right? Communication with God. Prayer is communication with God. Simple. It's us conversing with Him. Now, intercession or intercessory prayer is when we communicate with God on behalf of someone else, of a person or a um, country or an institution or, or whatever, or a family, when we're communicating with God on behalf of someone else, that is called intercession. Communicating with God on behalf of another. So I told you that 19 kids gave their life to Jesus on Wednesday night at camp, and, but you saw that 20 did, right? So where's that extra one come from? You guys, you guys know what I'm talking about? Well, there's a young girl who... I, I actually got to go visit the camp on Thursday. And on, on a Thursday, this girl came to her counselors and said, look, I don't want you to press religion on me anymore. Please don't press like this stuff on me. Like, I, I don't want you to shove this down my throat, which is pretty crazy for a uh, like 10 year old to say, but she's like, okay, yeah, it's okay. So then the rest of the day, they just did normal things. Like they played capture the flag. They had uh, arts and crafts. By the time I got out there, everyone was like covered in paint and just typical kids camp stuff. Well, that night, this same girl, like just a couple hours after she said, don't press Christianity on me, don't press the religion on me, comes to Sarah, the kids jam director, the the person who organized the whole camp, who did an amazing job and said, hey, Sarah, Miss Sarah, I'm ready to give my life to Jesus now. I'm ready to give my life to Jesus. Now, yeah. What was missing there, right? No one talked to her more about it during the day. In fact, they laid back. They laid off. 
So how did she come into the kingdom? How did her heart change and soften like that? Intercession. Other people were communicating with God on her behalf. Other people were praying for her. Her aunt goes to this church. Her aunt is the reason she was at um, Open Heaven, the camp. And that night, her aunt had her whole group praying for her, praying that God would soften her heart and praying that God would open her up to, to the gospel and to come into relationship with Jesus. And what happened? She did. <laughs> because they prayed from heaven's perspective for her. Yeah, that's amazing. What would have happened if they hadn't been praying? Nothing. Nothing would have happened. I don't think anything would have changed. And on that day, at least. I mean, hopefully later on, something would have changed in her life. But I don't think she would have given her life to Jesus that night. Because they were... See, God had something He wanted to do in her life. But He needed the church to join in with it. Because we're His partners here on earth. You know, that was like a big point of Luke's message. Was that God has given us power and authority to carry out his will. So he's not individually just going like healing there, bingo, bingo, job, da, da, da. Like he's not in heaven just like pointing around doing things. He's actually given us authority and power to take it with us and to go and affect history, to go and affect people's destinies. And it's actually our privilege to co-labor and partner with God to see that happen. So through us, when we communicate with God on behalf of another, things change. Things really change. I want to pray right now. Just, if you have a family member who isn't in relationship with Jesus or who's kind of walked away from God, do you just want to stand up? Let's just pray for them together. Let's communicate with God on behalf of them from heaven's perspective, okay? So Jesus, we just bless our family members, our sons, daughters, cousins, parents, grandparents, aunts and uncles, and those close family friends. We bless them and we just say, come home. We release the mercy of God over them. Thank you that it's your goodness and your kindness that leads them to repentance. So we just pray that the goodness and the blessing in their life will go to a whole new level this week. A whole new level of blessing on all of our unsaved family and friends this week. And that this would lead them into relationship with you. That they would be stirred and they would be calling the people standing around saying, Stuff's going so well. Why? <laughs> Why is everything going well? And then you'd empower my friends that are standing to share with them about the good news that Jesus has made a way of reconciliation for them. So we just bless them and we say, come home in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Now, I really believe people are going to be getting saved this week, okay? So please share. Please, please email us and let us know testimonies, okay? So, intercession. Communicating with God on behalf of another. Here's a really basic, easy model for how we can pray for others. Start by thanking, then ask, and then declare. This is a really simple model that I like to use when I pray. I start with thanking God for what He is doing in their life, what He's doing in my life, thanking God for who He is and um, what He's about. And then I will offer petitions. I'll offer requests to Him. Say, God, now will you please do this? This is a model we see that Paul gives us in Philippians 4. Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. God eats pizza crackers. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in... (laughs) You guys probably thought I was having like a manic episode or something. (laughs) 
God eats pizza crackers. Wow, come on. That's a good point, Will. Okay, sorry. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with, say, thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So it's with thanksgiving that we offer requests. Whenever we ask God for things without thanking Him for what He's already doing, we're not living in our kingdom authority. Okay? We're not living in our true identity. Because the message of the kingdom is that the kingdom is here. So our focus should always start with what God is doing. Now the kingdom isn't um, ruling and reigning everywhere, but the kingdom is here. God isn't holding back. So when we start by thanking God with what he's, for what he's already doing and for who he is, what we're doing is getting heaven's perspective. We're making sure that we're praying from a point of heaven's perspective to begin with. Then we can ask. Jesus says so many times to ask, to request, to seek, and you will not. So it's totally biblical. It's totally good. And he even commends perseverant prayer, asking over and over and over and over again. But where I think we can, um, where, where I've messed up here is without balancing that and compensating that with thankfulness. So we have a tendency, the more we ask, to think that like it's more impossible or that God's holding back or something like that. So I found, for me at least, that when I'm constantly being thankful, it helps me remember that Jesus really did do something powerful on the cross and the resurrection. And not shifting out of a place of, of faith and, of, and believing that God wants to do something. Um, so yeah, thank, ask, and then declare. This is what I want the last thing I want to talk about for just five minutes is declarations and declaring, declaring things. Next week, my dad is going to teach on tongues. And I talked a little bit about prophecy. But just to reiterate that, prophecy is speaking God's in-the-moment words and thoughts to someone. Speaking God's in-the-moment words and thoughts to someone. And this is available to all of us. In 1 Corinthians 14, 1, Paul says, um, Pursue love and earnestly, to this, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. So it's something that all of us can do. Paul wouldn't have said everybody go after it if only some people had the gift, if only some people could do it. And um, if that's confusing to you, it's because we have a misunderstanding of Scripture. All right? Just to be honest. Like, I had a misunderstanding for a long time and thought, well, I have the gift of healing, or I have this gift, or I have that gift. That's wrong. It's not true. That's not, that's not how it is. We'll explain that sometime. Um, but not right now. So, Declarations. Declarations. Here's how I would define declarations and, and declaring things. It's stating... Well, here, let me... I, I should touch on that really quick. So for one minute, I'm going to explain to you why that's... Should I? Okay. In 1 Corinthians 12, this is why everybody can function in the spiritual gifts. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. That's 1 Corinthians 12, 7. What Paul is saying is the Holy Spirit comes and manifests to everybody, to all believers. And then what is the spiritual gift? It's the Holy Spirit manifesting. So it's not that the Holy Spirit gives out certain gifts. It's that the Holy Spirit comes and manifests certain gifts. 
the emphasis in these verses when it says to another faith, to another word of knowledge, to another wisdom, to another healing, isn't that that is something they're given and they possess, but it's something that the Holy Spirit comes and manifests, something the Holy Spirit comes and does. Does that make sense? So it's not like you were preset to have prophecy, healing, and discernment, but if someone you know, needs the other stuff, they're just out of luck. No, it's that the Holy Spirit is who manifests as those things for those reasons, for those people at those moments in time. Does that make sense? So declarations are stating God's truth. Declarations are, it's a statement that my experience, even when it's contrary to um, God, isn't necessarily the truth. Declarations are when we state God's truth, no matter our circumstance. And it's not, really hear this, it's not denying what you're experiencing. It's not denying emotions, it's not denying sickness, it's not denying problems. But what it's saying is, this is not what I'm going to dedicate my thought life and my heart and uh, my mind to right now. I'm going to focus my heart and mind on what God says in God's truth. And one of the things declarations really do is they help us combat the spiritual war that's going on. Because sometimes those negative emotions, those negative thoughts, they're actually not, they're actually just um, tricks of the enemy. They're things he's trying to disturb us and distract us. And they're not even reality. But as long as we're believing that and focusing on that, we're empowering the lie. We're empowering the devil. So declarations are not denying our experiences. They're just saying that our experiences are not our identity. They're saying that what God says is my identity. What the Bible says and the prophetic words I've received, that's what I choose to get my identity from. How this played out practically for me, um, the whole month of May was like a struggle for me, which sounds weird because I just had a beautiful daughter. I was spending all this time with my wife, but there was some, just for whatever reason, there was like, male postpartum depression going on or something. I don't know. And I was experiencing a lot of anxiety and hopelessness and just not feeling like myself. And so what I committed to do was for the whole month of June to speak out daily 100 truths about myself, to make 100 declarations every day about what God says about me and what the Bible says about me. It's just as an experiment to see how it would affect the way I think and the way I live. This was something that um, a ministry called Igniting Hope Ministries. Just look that ministry up. They're awesome. Ignitinghopeministries.com. That they were challenging people to do. And what I realized was that I had a propensity. I had, a, um, thought, I had thought patterns built up that were negative. And that as I spoke out truth, I was rewiring the way I thought. And I was changing myself from naturally thinking negative things to naturally think positive things. Here's something that Steve Backlund, the leader of that ministry, says. It's impossible to think a lie when you're speaking the truth. It's impossible to think a lie when you're speaking the truth. I believe the prophet Joel said, let the weak say, I am strong. Let the weak say, I am strong. And so that what, what it's confronting is that the rea- a lot of times our circumstances and our experiences are just that. They're not the actual truth of the matter. They're not the reality, but, it, it, but it's what we're experiencing. And until we start applying our, um, our heart and our emotions towards the truth, like for instance, I would declare every day that the joy of the Lord is my strength. 
And I would say every morning, I am an outrageously joyful person. And my joy level is constantly increasing. My joy is not dependent on my circumstances. And you know that's true because our joy really should be dependent upon Jesus. And what Jesus has done, not our circumstances. So I had, this neg- I had this way of thinking that was, if things are going well, I'm joyful. If things aren't going well, then I'm not feeling joyful. But the truth is that my joy is based in Jesus. So it doesn't need to change when things are going bad. It doesn't need to diminish when things are going bad. I'm not saying that we shouldn't mourn and cry, but I'm saying that we, our, our joy isn't dependent upon what's going on around us. It's dependent upon who lives inside of us, Jesus. And that we can, we can rest in that and we can realize that. So here's my last illustration for that, okay? Well, here, here's a couple of scriptures. In Proverbs, it says, life and death is in the power of the tongue. That's Proverbs 18, 21. In Proverbs 12, 25, this is so good. It says, anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. Anxiety in your heart weighs you down, but a good word, something spoken out, makes, you, makes him glad. So man, there's just something, for, for those who have ears to hear, for those who are willing to be risky and to declare truth that's contradictory to their circumstances, there's something really powerful in this. And Abraham understood this. Who here knows about Abram? Okay, Old Testament dude, really great guy. Um, <laughs> his name was Abram. And he and his wife couldn't have children. They were barren. They, it was impossible for them to reproduce. And, and they were super old. But God came to Abram and said, Look, I want you to start calling yourself Abraham, which means father of many nations. I'm renaming you to be father of many nations. Even though you're barren, even though you don't have any children and it's impossible for you to, I want you to start calling yourself Abraham. Father of many nations. What his experience was, was no kids, barrenness, old age. What God said was, father of many nations. Imagine being Abraham, going around, like, hey, Jim, what's your name? I'm Jim. Oh, my name's father of many nations. I imagine Jim would say back, wow, cool, where are your kids? Let me see. How many kids do you have? How old's your oldest? How old's your youngest? What nations are they taking? Actually... I don't have any kids. I have no children. For 20 years, Abraham called himself Abraham without experiencing God's promise, without experiencing God's truth. But he said, what am I going to be committed to? My experience or what God says about me? What God says has to trump everything else. And again, it's not denying reality. It's not having a broken leg and saying, I am healed, I'm not going to the doctor. But it's saying... Jesus is the answer. Jesus is what I'm focused on here. And so after 20 years, Abraham did have children and we're all spiritual descendants of Abraham. Imagine if he had stopped calling himself Abraham. Imagine if he had just said, you know what? This is ludicrous. I feel like an idiot. I don't have any kids. How can I keep calling myself this? Imagine what would have happened, what he would have missed out on. We got to focus on what God says about us and, and accept that as our highest, as the biggest truth and, and the biggest reality that we're going to focus on. So let's just end by saying some declarations together, okay? And this is something you can do over people you want to pray for, is make declarations, speak God's truth over them. So you guys want to, listen, you can just sit. I always have you stand. So you can just stay sitting, okay? 
Here's, here are a couple of declarations I want to make before we go into worship. The resurrection power of God lives in me. All right, one, two, three. The resurrection power of God lives in me. I have life-giving emotions based on the resurrection power of God. The resurrection power of God lives in me. Awesome. Sorry, I'm running out of time. I want to welcome the ushers to come on down front. So remember, intercession is communicating with God on behalf of another. It's believing that when you pray from heaven's perspective, things will change in other people's lives. We're going to receive the offering right now. You know, this church is totally.